the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Like Jesus said, we cannot know the day or the hour, but we can know the season. Look around. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth right from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. For today's Core Truth, we're picking up in part two of a message titled Knowing the Time, where we're going to see God give his plan to his chosen people, but we'll see the fruit of their labor as well. The fruit of Israel was always to lead other nations into a relationship with the living God. That's what the fruit was. Okay, so yet Israel had fallen so far out of God's will because they weren't doing that, that they no longer bore fruit and they didn't have any visible sign of fruit and they didn't even have any visible sign of even knowing God. That's why Jesus went on to curse Israel's leaders. He wasn't cursing the Jewish people as a whole, for they are his chosen people. They are the apple of his eye. And who are the ones that accepted Jesus? It was all the common Jews of Israel. They're the ones that embraced him. If you're a non-Jew here today, and you're a believer in Christ, you thank God for all of those Jews back then. All the disciples were Jews. The apostle Paul was a Jew. Jesus came for the Jew first and also the Gentile. So if you're a Gentile like me, you thank God for all those people back in the day that believed in Jesus. They're the ones that spread the message. The apostle Paul was the first, you know, missionary that went out and started churches all over the known world. It was the Jews that brought the message to the Gentiles. They were producing fruit. But back in this day, Jesus cursed the religious leaders because they were no longer leading or guiding God's people back to his word. So Jesus said this to them. This is right before he was taken and crucified. So in Matthew 23, right before he gave Matthew 24, the Olivet Discourse on what it's going to be like before the end, he said this in Matthew 23, 37. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather you together as children and you were unwilling Behold, your house is being left to you desolate. You're empty because you didn't hear all of my warnings. You didn't hear what I had to call you. Remember Jeremiah, that stub up, and and he, he spoke the truth of God's word before they were taken into captivity into Babylon. And he says, repent, repent, or God's going to bring this other nation. He's going to take you into captivity for 70 years. And the people's like, yeah, right, whatever. They took Jeremiah, they beat him, they put him in prison. And it's just like, oh, you know, how many times God warned his people, but they didn't listen. So guess what happened? (laughs) Babylon came in, conquered Jerusalem, took all the people into Babylon, into captivity for 70 years, just like what God said would happen. 
Yes. I wonder if any of us today could be guilty as Christians of the very same thing. Being a people who are unwilling to listen to God. Or even worse, rejecting Jesus as Savior of the world. Let me ask you, do you have any doubts about if God is real or not? Well, one of many ways you can be encouraged is by the accuracy of everything that's predicted in the Bible that God said would happen in the last days. Consider what Jesus said in Matthew 24, 2 in response to the disciples admiring the temple in Jerusalem. Again, this was not the temple that Solomon built. It's not the second one that was built. This is the third temple that was built by Herod the Great. It was started somewhere around 49 BC, and they were almost completed with it. It was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. It was a beautiful temple built there on the Temple Mount, and they were leaving the southern steps, and they were going back over to cross the Kidron Valley over to uh, the Mount of Olives. And, and the disciples, oh, gee, Jesus, look how beautiful the temple is. Just, you know, it's just a, a wonderful work of art here. And that's what started the whole message of the Olivet Discourse there anyway. And he said, look, you guys are admiring this building. Let me tell you, not one of those stones will be left upon another one. This entire temple that you're telling me about right now, that you're saying is so beautiful, it's going to be completely destroyed. He said that. 37 years before it happened. Well, it was recorded in the book of Matthew that was wrote many years before 70 AD. Yes, they didn't have a clue what was going to happen. The disciples probably looked at Jesus and said, yes, you know, that's really deep, Master. Mm -hmm." They didn't have a clue what he was talking about. In reality, they didn't know. But Jesus was God in the flesh. And as the creator of the universe, he spoke with truth. He spoke with accuracy. And he told them what exactly was going to happen because he is God. And he is outside of time. And he knew exactly what was going to happen because only God knows the future. And he knew that in 70 AD, Rome would invade Israel completely led by General Titus, and they would burn it to the ground. And since all the beams and the doors of the temple were overlaid with pure gold, all of it melted and ran between the cracks of the foundation. So the Romans completely disassembled the temple in order to retrieve the gold, just as Jesus said. Not one stone would be left upon another. Now, uh, The Romans probably didn't burn the temple. Uh, It's said in history that the Jews themselves burned the temple because they didn't want the Romans to come in and desecrate it, so they actually set it on fire. But nonetheless, whoever set it on fire, again, the gold ran into the seams, and they completely pulled it apart. Later excavations show all the stones that for the temple are right there in Jerusalem outside of the southern wall. And they're sitting there and you can see them to this day. I have pictures of me standing next to them where they completely disassembled it again, just as Jesus said. And the Jewish people, they fled from their homeland and they were dispersed throughout the world, but they were brought back from the four winds of the world, you know, uh, east, west, north, and south. But getting back here to the parable of the fig tree, that he said here, learn the lesson from the parable of the fig tree in Matthew 24, 32. Many Bible scholars believe, including myself, that this is a direct reference. It's a direct reference to the fig tree, the nation of Israel being 
rebirth or rebutting if being brought back alive again or once again becoming a nation. They were driven out by the Romans in 70 AD. And as you know, on May 14th, 1948, after the Holocaust of World War II, where 6 million Jews were senselessly slaughtered, the world had compassion on the Jewish people. And for the first time in 1878 years, they were granted their own homeland, Israel, back again. The Old Testament book of Ezekiel, written 700 years before Jesus was ever born, records this happening. It was a vision of dry bones. Listen to how God explains this vision. Ezekiel 37:11 says, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up and our hope has perished. Why? Because they were abandoned for 1878 years. We are completely cut off. Thus says the Lord God, behold, I will open your graves and I will cause you to come up and out of your graves. My people, I will bring you into the land of Israel. And I will put my spirit within you and you will come to life and I will place you on your own land. Then you will know that the Lord God has spoken this. Now, some people have said, well, this was the Babylonian captivity. They went away for 70 years and then God brought them back. Okay, well, we've got some problems with that because he says here, I'm going to bring you back from all the four corners of the world. When they were taken into Babylon... They were just taken to Babylon and then right back. See, they were dispersed around the world. So that's where he brings them back from. So it couldn't have been the Babylonian uh, exile. Plus, in chapters 38 and 39, in context, it's twice that he's talking about these are things that are happening in the last days. He says last days specifically twice. Plus, here in our text in Ezekiel 37, he says, and when you come back, this time I'll fill you with my Holy Spirit. Okay, that's a big point there. That's a big point because the Holy Spirit didn't come upon the Jews first. It didn't come upon them until when? After Jesus was crucified. He was laid in a grave for three days. He rose again, and then 50 days after that Sabbath that he was crucified on, 50 days later, on the day of Pentecost, what happened? Peter preached the message, and the Holy Spirit of God came upon all the people. See, that had never happened before. In the Old Testament, there was only onesie-twosies that got filled with the Holy Spirit. We know that David, when he was anointed with oil from Samuel the prophet, was filled with the Holy Spirit. There was only a few prophets that were filled with the Holy Spirit. But here, in Ezekiel 37, it says, My Holy Spirit will fall upon all people. All people. And that's why the Apostle Paul, a Pharisee who was Saul of Tarsus, who came into a uh, relationship with Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus, this Saul of Tarsus who was trained by Gamaliel, one of the most famous and noted rabbis of the time. He became a Messianic Jew. He came into a relationship with Christ. And he said in 1 Corinthians 3.16, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you? Don't you know that you're the temple now? 
See, the word temple comes from a couple different words in the, in the Greek. One is herion. It's like, hey, look at the temple. It's over there on the Temple Mount. See it? We're here on the Mount of Olives. You can see the Temple Mount. No, 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 no. He's not talking about that. He doesn't use that word here. He uses the other word, nehos, which is the, uh, this is the actual holy of holy. So it's not saying just the temple. It's picking out one part of the temple. And the one part of the temple that housed the Ark of the Covenant, the box that Moses built that had the Ten Commandments in it. Okay, the Ark of the Covenant represented the presence of God. And they would take the Ark of the Covenant and they didn't just put it in the temple. They put it into the Nahas, into the holiest of holy of the temples. And he says, don't you know that you're not just a building? You're the Nahas. You're where the Spirit of God dwells. You are the very, the presence of God dwells inside of you. So he says that that these people would be filled with the Holy Spirit. This is nothing short of incredible. So what did Jesus go on to say about this amazing event? Matthew 24, 34 says, truly I say to you, this generation will not pass. What, what, what generation? Wait, wait, let's work. You got to get this. The generation that sees the rebutting of the nation Israel. Learn the parable of the fig tree. When the fig tree comes back alive, when it's filled with the Holy Spirit, this generation will not pass until they see the coming of the Son of Man. The generation of people, the generation that watched the rebutting of the fig tree. When did that happen again? May 14th, 1948. Well, that generation of people, well, what's the generation of people? You go to Psalm 90, verse 10, and it said, see, people used to live hundreds of years. You know, Methuselah was 969 years old, the oldest guy in the Bible. Moses, you know, uh, you know the, 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 the lifespan started getting cut down. I mean, Abraham was like, a, what, 160 or something when he died, and then Moses like 120, and then God cut down the generations of man. So in Psalm 90, verse 10, it says the generation of man is 70 years, and if, you're, if you do good, 80 years. Somewhere, somewhere between 70 and 80 years. I was in Israel in 2018 on, uh, you know, on March 14th, 2018. That was their 70th year anniversary. I was there in the streets of Israel as they were rejoicing. I was there for the 70th year. Somehow the people, the generation of people, those who were alive when May 14th, 1948 happened, are going to see the coming of the Son of Man, the rebirth of the nation of Israel. We will see Jesus. And then Jesus said in verse 35, that heaven and earth will not pass away. My word, or he said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Meaning, if the Bible scholars interpret this correctly... This, amongst many of the other prophecies, is quite amazing to say the least, that his return could be soon. It could be soon. It could be today. It could be tomorrow. It could be five years from now. But when will it happen exactly? Well, we will never know the exact day, which brings up our final point. Look around. Look around. That's why we have Bible studies like this, looking at everything that's happened around us. Look around at what's happening around us. Look around. Let's read what it says in Matthew 24, 36. He says, but of the day and the hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the son, but the father alone. 
For the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. Oh, okay. So we can look back to Noah's day and know that when we see things happening in our world like Noah's day, that his coming is soon. Verse 38. For in those days, talking about Noah's days, before the flood, they were eating, they were drinking, they were marrying, they were given in marriage, they were divorcing until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not understand until the flood came and took them all away. So will the coming of the Son of Man be. Wow, wow. Know this, we'll never know the exact day or hour that Jesus will come back. That's why, you know, any ministry or any individual that writes a book and that sets a date or a time on Jesus' return is a complete and total false prophet because he said no one knows the date, not even the Son, only the Father himself. But what he has shared with us, we can know. And what has he shared with us? that we can know that the time is near. Why? By simply listening to what God has already told us in the Bible concerning last day's events. Jesus gave us a big hint in verse 37. We're told that his coming will be and will mimic or literally parallel the events that were happening in Noah's day. Now you remember Noah's day. God destroyed the whole earth because of the wickedness of man. I mean, the the wickedness of man was so great that God was so upset, he destroyed every single human being on the planet except for Noah, his wife, his three sons, and his three sons' wives. That's what the Bible teaches, and that's what happened. Jesus said in verse 38, they were doing what in Noah's day? They were partiers. They were eating and they were drinking. They were marrying and they were divorcing. When we look at Noah's day a little closer, we also see that it was filled with total and absolute perversion. God said in Genesis chapter 6 that the wickedness of man was so great that God was sorry that he made man. Think about that. Peter gave us a little bit more insight, and Peter told us that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. They, they lived longer back there. Like I said, Noah, I think he lived to be 950 years old or something like that. So the Bible says that it took him a hundred years to build the ark that floated all the animals and all of that out, okay? So it took him a hundred years to build that. During that hundred years, Peter tells us he was a preacher of righteousness, meaning while he's building his big boat in a place that had no water. Hey, Noah, where are you going to take that boat? Uh, Well, the water's coming to us. It's like, oh, you're a nut. You're crazy. You're a lunatic, okay? It's like, no, I'm telling you, God's going to judge the world because of all the wickedness. Ah, ha, ha, let's go up and laugh at Noah, okay? So no one listened to him. He preached to them for 100 years, and nobody listened until the rain started flooding. Then people came, and they were banging on the ark to get in, but God sealed the door of the ark, and no one could come in. Yes, they did not listen to the warnings that were given to them. Their wickedness was overdone and God was going to judge them. Not one person repented of their sins. We look at our world today and where are we at? Just like Noah's day. We have sexual perversion has encompassed the globe. But we have an alarming amount of people here in the United States that divorce. 
which Jesus mentions here specifically in Matthew 24. And this is not just a problem in America where we have over 50% of marriages end in divorce. It is a global problem. Belgium is at 61% of marriages in divorce. Uh, Spain is at 67%. Portugal is over 70% of marriages end in divorce. Yes, like Jesus said, we cannot know the day or the hour, but we can know the season. Look around. Everything that he's saying is, this is not just America. It's in the global problems that we have. We can know that we're getting closer and closer to that glorious day when the Lord will descend from heaven with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God will blast and Jesus Christ will take us up as believers and we'll be caught up together to be forever with the Lord raptured in heaven. And that will start the seven-year tribulation period, which, as we have seen today, will return at the end of that seven years, Jesus Christ at the end. The Bible is filled with fascinating facts that we are seeing happen in front of our own eyes. Here's an interesting fact that was written 2,000 years ago. Turn in your Bibles over to Revelation chapter 13. The devil is going to try to duplicate everything that God has already done. He's a duplicator. He's not an inventor. He's a duplicator. Now, the devil, he makes no you know, qualms about this. He wants to be God. That's how he got kicked out of heaven. The Bible says that Satan's name was Star of the Morning. He was the most beautiful angelic being in heaven. And he tried to raise his throne above God's throne in heaven. Of course, that's when he was, got the royal boot and was blasted out of heaven with one-third of the angels. So in Revelation chapter 13, verse 1, talks about the dragon there. He is the anti-God, meaning this is the devil. He's the dragon. He wants to be God. The first beast there in verse 1, that is the antichrist that he raises up. This is going to be a man that's completely possessed by the devil, and he will be the antichrist. That'll be kind of equivalent to Jesus Christ, but he'll be the antichrist. Then the second beast that you see in Revelation 13, verse 11, he's the anti-Holy Spirit, known as the false prophet. So what Satan does here is he tries to counterfeit the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, even as God has done. Notice the second beast in verse 11, again, is like a lamb or Jesus. You know, he's a type of Jesus. And Jesus said this in Matthew seven fifteen. He says, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. So the devil... The wannabe duplicator now has it all. He does all of this in the tribulation period because this is his time. He's waiting for the tribulation period because now he can be raised up as the one world governing leader. Verse 13 said that he deceives the people through signs. So the false prophet's gonna be able to call fire down from heaven. The Antichrist will also appear to suffer a fatal wound. So it will appear to have an assassination attempt on his life. So the Antichrist that everyone's leaning to, oh, this guy's going to pull us out of all this nightmare. He's going to be the leader. He's going to get everything back on track and everything's all messed up right now, but he's going to get it all back on track. Oh no, someone tries to kill him. Oh no, so it appears to have an assassination attempt. According to verse three though, it was staged and it appears as he comes back from the dead. So this person, this leader, he comes back from the dead and he's trying to duplicate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
And guess what? The fake news will completely convince you that all of this happened, just like people buy the fake news today. Okay, so didn't we buy the fake news on our president now? Oh, he's a moderate. He's a Democrat moderate. And oh, he's going to bring the two parties together and everything. And all the news agencies all get together. And this guy can't put two and two together. You know, he can't can't put two sentences together. But, you know, and it's like, look, it's only because he's old. I'm not just knocking him. It's just he's just an old man. He just his his brain's gone. Okay, it's just what happens. We'll all be that way in the end. Okay, but it's like, but what did the news do? The news got together and sold you a bill of goods. And they just keep telling you what you want to hear. You know, the Bible says in the last days that people will have itching ears. So the news today, the fake news just tells you what they want you to hear. And so now what are they doing? Oh, we're going to take out misinformation. So now we have all of this now social media platforms that gives us what we basically believe. So you have Google, you have, you know, you have Facebook, you have YouTube, you know, you have all of these big, you know, Twitter, you know, all of these accounts. And now what are they doing? Now we're all getting together and we're going to make you believe what we want you to believe. So now they're saying, we're going to take out all misinformation. So whatever they deem as not in their narrative, they're going to pull it out and they're going to take it out. And that's what's happening right now. So you're only hearing what they want you to hear. And the Bible puts this on top of it. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 10 and 11, God says, because you've rejected the truth of me, therefore I will turn you over to believe what is false. That's all the time we have for today's message. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app. Available on iOS and Android. Core Church is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA one word. That's Core Church LA to seven seven nine seven seven. And remember, there's a God in heaven who loves you. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.